This is Foothill Family Church with Mike Webb. Building strong, spirit-filled lives through God's Word. I was um, meditating, praying, doing my thing one morning a couple of months ago, and, and, uh, and the Lord just really witnessed to my heart to teach on understanding the times. And so for the next four weeks, uh, I, I, I have specific instruction to do it in four weeks. I don't know how to do it in four weeks. Because for each of the next four weeks, I want to talk about a different part of the end times to understand. This morning, I want to talk about understanding the rapture. Next Sunday, I want to talk about understanding the tribulation. The next Sunday, I want to talk about understanding, um, well, I'm not even going to go any further than that. At least I've got a plan. So let's, uh, let's start talking about the rapture. Now, it's not my intent, at least I don't believe it is. Uh, well, I don't think it's what the Lord wants me to do. It's certainly not what I intend to do. Is to talk about things in, in such a detailed way that you get bogged down into specifics and, and, and get caught up in the sensational part. A lot of times people get into the book of Revelation and they start looking at the, the wild stuff and the sensational things and they forget that it's a revelation of Jesus. That's what the book is, a revelation of Jesus Christ. It's not a revelation of uh, wars and famines and angels doing stuff and all that kind of thing. The information is given to us, but it's supposed to be about Jesus. And so I want to keep it centered on things to help us keep our focus on Jesus. Amen? So with that in mind, let's, uh, uh, let's go ahead and start in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Paul is writing to the church at Thessalonica. It's interesting that Paul spent uh, a very short time, just a matter of months, in uh, Thessalonica. But he talked to them about end-time stuff like a lot. He refers to things and says, remember I told you this. Well, he's only there for three and a half months. You wouldn't think that Paul going into a new city, starting a new church, he'd start uh, teach extensively or spend a lot of time talking about the end times. But he did. Now, I don't know if that was a pattern. I don't know if he did that everywhere because he doesn't make mention of it in some of the letters that he wrote. Like to the Romans, he didn't talk about anything he said to them about the end times. He didn't say anything about the Corinthians, but the Corinthians, bless their heart, they had so much trouble. He's busy dealing with other stuff. But other, other letters that Paul wrote, he did not identify the things about the end times that he did to the Thessalonians. So I don't know if it was something unique about them. I don't know if it was something that God specifically directed him in a different way. I don't know. But he talked to them a lot about the end times. So let's start in uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. We'll pick up in verse uh, 13. He said, But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep. Now, concerning them which are asleep, he's talking about those that have died before. In other words, your loved ones that have died, I want you to know about them. I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that you sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. Now, he didn't say don't be sorrowful. He said don't be sorrowful and grieve like people that don't have hope. You've got hope. We've all lost loved ones, and it's at least for me, it's a comfort to know where they are. It's a terrible thing to have lost a loved one or a friend and not know where they are. Man, I, I see celebrities die and I think, do you think? Maybe? Are they in heaven? Verse 14, for if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, well, we do, don't we? Even so, them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. Now notice it says, will God bring with him? Now, if you didn't go any further, you've got to understand that God's coming back here for something. 
And he's going to bring those saints, those believers who have died ahead of time or ahead of us. And it says he's coming. He's going to bring them back with him. It didn't say we'll go to them. It said they'll come to us. Right? Now, I assume that Paul is covering stuff that he's talked about to them at least to some degree because he doesn't go into any detail. He doesn't say, now, look, you need to understand there will come a time where God will come back. They must know that. And so I'm going to operate from that same assumption here in this uh, this series for the next couple of weeks. I'm not going to try to prove or establish or, or any of that kind of stuff. I'm going to assume that people have a working knowledge of certain things and go from there. Okay? So it says, For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord. Paul's not giving you his idea. He's saying this is what God is telling me to tell you. For this we say by the word of the Lord. That we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord. He must be coming. We which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent. This word prevent means precede or go before. Shall not precede them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout and with the voice of an archangel and with the trump of God and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Interesting that Paul, and, and, and I know people get off onto different stuff. People talk about death being a soul sleep and, and goofy stuff like that. Paul is just simply using a word that, that does not translate into the cessation of existence. When he says that our loved ones who have gone on, those who have believed in Jesus, he says they're asleep. That doesn't mean that they've just gone to sleep. It means they're still alive. Thank God our loved ones that knew Jesus are still alive. We think of death as the end of something. Well, that's not the way death is spoken of in the Bible for the most part. Somebody dies here on the earth, it's the end of our seeing them physically, but they continue to exist, whether in heaven or in hell. And so that's why he's talking about sleep. That's why he uses the word sleep. So he says, for the Lord himself shall descend. He's talking about the coming of the Lord. Here's how he's going to come. The Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout and with the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God. Now, trump does not mean trumpet. It means shout, it means voice, it means call. With the trump or the call of God. It's talking about a voice speaking. And the dead in Christ shall rise first. Well, what does he mean? He means their bodies. Now notice he says the bodies are dead. But they are asleep in Jesus. So the dead in Christ shall rise first, the bodies shall come up. Then which we are, then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. So shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. I don't know about you, but this thrills me. I mean, not just comfort. Comfort where my loved ones that have gone on are concerned, but it thrills me just to know that this is going to happen. Now, folks, please understand, this is not some fairy tale. This is reality. This is really going to happen. There is really going to be a day when we're going to hear the shout, the voice of God, the call of God, and the graves are going to be opened and dead bodies are going to rise. Now, I have to assume, and this is just kind of a working knowledge of the character of God, bones that are without flesh, flesh will appear on them. It won't be a gross thing. It won't be a Halloween scene where, you know, skeletons are going up in the air and that kind of stuff. Think about the miraculous event. It'll take place.
Because there are some people who have been dead for a long time in Jesus. And their flesh has already rotted off their bones. What's going to happen with them? Those bodies will be instantly reformed, recreated. Reunited with the spirits that are coming back with him. The spirits of our dead loved ones. Reunited with their bodies. And immediately following that, that happens instantly. And immediately following the instant after that, we're caught up together with them in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. What does that mean? That means we don't come back here. That means we go from here up to heaven, up to the sky, and then from there where Jesus goes. Now let's keep reading. Paul didn't write in chapter and verse. Translators put a a chapter designation here for reference sake. So let's keep reading. He said, but of the times and the seasons. Brethren, you have no need that I write unto you. Well, there's only one reason that he wouldn't have any need to write to him about the times and the seasons, and that is if he's talked to him about it before. Right? I mean, I want to know about the times and seasons. Why wouldn't they? I'm looking for additional information about times and seasons all the time, aren't you? Well, why wouldn't they? He said, but of the times and seasons, brethren, you have no need that I would write unto you. For you yourselves know perfectly well that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. Now, the day of the Lord in this context has to be speaking about when Jesus comes from heaven because that's what he just described. Now, notice where it says we're caught up. Uh, What verse was it in uh, chapter 4? It says, then verse 17, then which we, we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. It's an interesting thing that the Bible uses the word cloud in a couple of different ways. In reference to the end, it uses clouds to mean people. For example, Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 1, it says, Wherefore, or therefore, seeing we are encompassed about with such a great cloud of witnesses. Now, the cloud of witnesses is talking about the people, the list of people, the men of faith, the heroes of faith in chapter 11. And it calls those clouds of witnesses. So when it says Jesus is coming back in the clouds, it doesn't mean that he's coming back on a white puffy thing. It means he's coming back with people. Well, what people? The people that were dead in Christ ahead of us that are coming, that are in heaven now, in the presence of the Lord. Paul said, for me to live in, um, for me to, to live as, uh, it, for me to live as Christ and to die as gain. I'll get it right in just a minute. And then he said, uh, he said to, to depart and be with Christ is, more, is far better. Well, what happens when someone dies? They depart and be with Christ. Their body is buried, but they, the real man, the spirit man, departs to be with Christ. Those are the ones that come back. Those are the clouds that come back with Jesus that the Bible is talking about. In other words, when it says clouds, it's talking about a whole bunch of people. And notice it says we're caught up to meet him in the clouds. Now, now no question about it. That means the air, and it may be a cloudy day when he comes back. I don't know. Could be a cloud or two in the sky. I can't imagine them sticking around, but who knows. But the clouds is talking about his people. And notice it says we're caught up together. Now, the word rapture is the word that's used to describe this event. We've used it already here this morning several times. The word rapture is not in the scripture. Well, what does rapture mean? Rapture means exactly what's being described here, being caught up together. Being caught up into the air. Join Mike Webb and Foothill Family Church every Sunday night at 6 p.m. for our weekly healing school. Healing school is for those who are in need of being healed from sickness in their body 
as well as those who want to strengthen their faith in the area of healing. The Bible says Jesus took your infirmities and bore your sicknesses on the cross. He was wounded, Isaiah 53, 5 says he was wounded for your transgressions, that's sins. He was bruised for your iniquities, that's sins. The chastisement of your peace was upon him, that's provision. That's the penalty or the, uh, uh, the overcoming of the curse of poverty. And by his stripes, you were healed. That's the overcoming of sickness. The Bible says in the same verse, the same verse that Jesus paid the price for your sins, he paid the price for your sickness. Now, if somebody was coming to get saved, we wouldn't expect them to pray all night to see if God would do it, would we? Why is it different with healing? Jesus paid the same price at the same time. Foothill Family Church is in Orange County at the corner of Bake Parkway and Lake Forest Drive, just minutes off the 5 Freeway. To learn more about how you and your family can connect with Foothill Family Church, simply log on to mikeweb.tv. Foothill Family Church, building strong, spirit-filled lives through God's Word. So well, let's go back to 1 Thessalonians verse five, or chapter 5, verse 1 again. But of the times and seasons, brethren, you have no need that I write unto you. Now, what's he talking about now? He's already talked about the rapture. He's talking about being called away into heaven. Now he's talking about times. That's what we're trying to talk about. It's understanding the times. So he says, of the times and the seasons, brethren, you have no need that I write unto you. For you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord, meaning the rapture. Now, the day of the Lord doesn't always mean rapture in Scripture. But in this case, it has to, because that's what he's just talked about. For the day of the Lord, so cometh as a thief in the night. Now, what does a thief do? He breaks in when you don't know he's there. He comes unawares. The day of the Lord, so comes as a thief in the night, for when they shall say, not when you say, when they, meaning the world, when the world shall say peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon them as travail upon a woman with a child, and they shall not escape. The word safety here does not really mean safety. It means security. That's the motto of the UN, peace and security. Now, you can say whatever you want to about this. I think... My personal opinion is that the United Nations, because one of the things Jesus says, we may get time to look at it, one of the things Jesus said is look at Israel and the other nations. You want to know about the end? He's answering the questions of the disciples in Matthew chapter 24. When's the end going to take place? When are you coming again? Things like that were their questions. He said look at Israel and the nations. Well, the United Nations is kind of the nations. So I personally think, that this is a, uh, an indication by the Holy Ghost to let us know, us meaning the church world at large, not America, but the world at large, know here's a sign of the end. The United Nations was chartered in 1955, I believe. That's a sign of the end. Israel became a nation in 1948. And within a 10-year period, you got Israel and the other nations as a sign. Judge it for yourself. For when they shall say peace and safety or peace and security, then sudden destruction cometh upon them. Not you. Them. He didn't say make sure you have your stuff in order and find a cave to live in. He said then sudden destruction shall come upon them as travail upon a woman with child and they shall not escape. He didn't say you wouldn't. He said they wouldn't. He's talking about the world. He's talking about the unsaved. But you, brethren, are not in darkness that that day should overtake you as a thief. Paul is telling you, you ought to have some kind of idea when. 
In other words, you ought to understand the time so that you're ready. You are all the children of light and the children of the day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. In other words, we've got an advantage over people that are unsaved. We have some kind of idea. We've got some kind of understanding about the end that they're not going to have. Don't ever get bothered about the world making fun of the church about the rapture and the end time events and all that kind of stuff. They're stupid. They don't know. No, they don't have to be stupid. They can know, but they don't. Without Jesus, they don't. Therefore, verse 6, let us not sleep. Let us not sleep. Difference between being in darkness and being asleep. You're children of the light. You're children of the day. You should know, but some won't because they'll be asleep. But don't be one of those that go to sleep. Don't get distracted. Don't get deceived. Therefore, let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch and be sober. By the way, every time the Bible uses the word sober, it comes from the root word that means not moved by emotion. Don't let your emotions take you away from what you know to be true in the word. That's what he's saying. Therefore, and if this is going to be a key if you're going to stay awake, spiritually awake to the end times. Therefore, let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch and be sober. The word watch doesn't mean look. It is always used in connection with pray. In other words, be watchful in prayer and don't let your emotions take you away or get away from you. For they that sleep, sleep in the night. Now, wait a minute. I thought night was talking about the unsaved. Yeah, but Christians can go to sleep and be just like the unsaved. So what is he talking about? He's talking about deception. He's not talking about character. He's not talking about the nature of God. He's talking now about Christians, those who are saved, those who are righteous, being carried away with the things of the world. Deceived by the things of the world and therefore miss the understanding of the times that we should have. For they that sleep in the night, they that sleep, sleep in the night. And they that are drunken are drunken in the night. Interesting that he used that term. I mean, sleep already conveyed the thought, didn't it? But then he talks about being drunken in the night. Okay. But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love and for a helmet the hope of salvation. In other words, keep the armor of God on. Now, if you remember, remember in uh, Ephesians chapter 6 where he said, Be strong in the Lord and, and the power of his might. And he talks about putting on the armor of God. The whole purpose is for verse 18 where it says, Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit and watching thereunto for all saints. In other words, he says the whole purpose for having the armor of God on is to watch and pray. That's exactly what he's saying here. He just condenses it down. Summarizes it rather than goes into detail like in Ephesians 6. But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love and for a helmet, the hope of salvation. In other words, if you want to not be deceived, if you want to make sure to stay spiritually awake, you're going to keep the armor of God on, you're going to stand strong in the word, and you're going to be prayerful as you see things happening around you. Four, verse nine, four, because God has not appointed us to wrath. Folks, everywhere, the tribulation, the seven-year period of tribulation is called the wrath of God. And it says God has not appointed us to wrath. Now, he says they shall not escape. They mean the unsaved, the world. They shall not escape the wrath of God, but we will escape the wrath of God. Why? Because God has not appointed us unto wrath. He's not appointed you under the tribulation. 
Now, I know there's a lot of controversy in the body of Christ about when's the rapture, when's the rapture. There's uh, uh, four different raptures yet to come. One of them before the tribulation, that's the rapture of the church, and three of them during the tribulation. That's why there's so much controversy in the body of Christ. That's why so many people think uh, that, well, there's going to be a rapture. The rapture is going to take place at the midpoint of the tribulation. Well, are they right or are they wrong? Yeah, they're right, but it's not the church that's raptured. It's those who get saved in the first half of the tribulation that are going to be raptured at the midpoint. Then those that get saved from the midpoint to the end will be raptured at the end of the tribulation. Now, it's a short rapture. They're caught up into the air, meet Jesus, and come immediately back to the earth. So it's a short ride. So that's why people th- some people think there's a rapture before the tribulation. There is. It's the church. There's a rapture in the middle of the tribulation. There is. That's the great multitude. And there's a rapture at the end of the tribulation. There is. Those are the ones that get saved at the, the, during the last half. The important thing, folks, is make the first trip. <laughs> For God has not appointed us unto wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, there are certain signs that the Bible talks about. Turn with me to 1 Timothy chapter 4. Let's start in 1 Timothy chapter 4. It says, Now the Spirit speaketh expressly. Now the word expressly means specifically. It also has to do with, it has to do with specifics and it has to do with time. In other words, he's saying the Holy Ghost says a lot, very specifically, that in the last days, the latter times, some shall depart from the faith. Now, folks, you can't depart from the faith unless you are in the faith. So he's got to be talking about Christians. He's got to be talking about the church. He's not talking about the world. There are very few signs that we see in the world. Jesus gives us most of those. There are very few signs that we see in the world as indicators, but there are a lot of signs in the church. One of the signs we just saw is when they say peace and safety, literally peace and security. Okay, that's a sign we see in the world, not in the church. Another sign, Daniel says, when knowledge increases and people go to and fro. In other words, he speaks of two things that we can see in the world, the increase of knowledge and travel. Well, that's pretty well said already, isn't it? That in those last days, some shall depart from the faith. People are going to turn away. Well, what does that mean? That means a lot of people are going to go to sleep. It doesn't mean they're going to lose their salvation. It doesn't mean they're going to go to hell. It means they're going to go to sleep. The very thing that Paul just cautioned the Thessalonians about, you're in the, you're not in the darkness, you're in the light. So don't go to sleep. Because being asleep is like being in the darkness. You're still saved, but you're just as dark as far as your lifestyle, as far as your understanding is concerned, as those who are unsaved. You'll be caught just as unawares and just as unprepared as the world. Can you see it? See how it fits together? Paul's the same guy. He's not going to say something different to Timothy than he says to somebody else. He may give us more information when he's talking minister to minister. So he says, some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. Seducing spirits mean deceiving spirits. Folks, the devil is out to deceive you. Nobody's immune from being deceived. Now, how does somebody get deceived? Well, do you remember James chapter 1, verse 22? It says, but be ye doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. 
There's only one way that you can really be deceived, and that is to stop being a doer of the Word, to take something else and to embrace something else in your life other than the Word of God in action. Now, you can be deceived in one area and not be deceived in another area. You can have your eyes wide open to what salvation is, Jesus dying on the cross to forgive your sins and be completely deceived about healing, to think that God doesn't do that anymore. Why? Because you depart from what the Bible says on that subject. So you can be deceived in any number of areas. That's why we need to watch and pray. That's why we need to be on guard. That's why we need to keep the armor of God on. That's why we need to have the helmet of salvation on. Think according to the word. In the latter times, some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing, deceiving spirits, and doctrines or teachings of devils, speaking lies and hypocrisy. Now, folks, please notice the hypocrisy. He said one of the signs of the ends, one of the signs of deception, one of the signs of this wrong doctrines, doctrines of or by devils, about or by devils, whichever way, it may be both, I don't know, is that it will be hypocrisy. In other words, people preaching things they don't live. That's why you're supposed to judge somebody's fruit, the fruit of their lives. Speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron. It doesn't say they don't have a conscience. It says they don't hear it anymore. You can reject the word, reject the leading of the Holy Spirit to the place where you don't hear your conscience any longer. And that's the ultimate deception. It's the ultimate in deception. Certainly that person is asleep in the darkness. Now notice he's going to give some examples of, uh, of some of the things that people will promote or forbid. It said forbidding to marry and commanding to abstain from meats, which God has created to be received with thanksgiving of them which believe and know the truth. Then he goes in and says every creature is good and acceptable of God. In other words, don't let anybody tell you what you can eat. Mayor Bloomberg. I use that as an example that's going on today. Now, we look at this and we think something else other than what we see going on around us. We think of somebody standing up saying, all meat is bad, you can't ever have meat again. But folks, when you got people telling you, acting as food police, telling you what you can eat and what you can drink and how big a thing you can eat and how big a thing, how big your big gulp can be, what do you think this is? It's what the Holy Ghost was talking about. It's talking about people gaining control, trying to gain control of your lives by telling you what you can and cannot do. And notice it mentions two things. It talks about people telling you what you can eat. I believe that means drink too. And it tells about marriage. Folks, can we at least agree that there's an assault on marriage today? Now, I don't see anybody saying that you can't or shouldn't get married, but do you realize then according to the polls, the number one issue, the most important issue for people under 30 years of age is gay marriage. The Bible tells us that Jesus is coming back to receive us unto himself. This is known as the rapture. But the Bible also says that he's coming back for a glorious church. That means a church that's filled with the glory of God, that means a church that demonstrates the character and the nature of God. Thanks for watching. Come visit us at Foothill Family Church. This is Foothill Family Church with Mike Webb. So faith begins where the will of God is known. 
God's Word reveals His will to you. And once you know His will, there is nothing that can stop you from receiving what God has for you. That is the number one problem, the number one objection that everybody has, no matter what the area is, healing or whatever, that is the number one objection that people have. They don't know if it's God's will for them. Well, how are we going to find out? The answer is in the Word. Join us Sundays at 9.30 a.m. and 6 p.m. or Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Visit us online at mikeweb.tv. Foothill Family Church, building strong, spirit-filled lives through God's Word.